Welcome to Season 4 of the Big Data Beard Podcast. We are excited about the guests we have lined up already and the topics that we're going to explore in 2019. We are also looking forward to all the conferences that we will be attending this year. One of those conferences is the Data Science Salon that is taking place in Austin, Los Angeles, New York City, and Miami this year. The Austin Data Science Salon is just around the corner, taking place February 21st and 22nd. The Big Data Beer team is giving away a free pass to one lucky listener. To enter into the raffle, all you have to do is subscribe to our YouTube channel between now and February 1st. You can also use the promo code BDBeard19 to receive 15% off your conference pass. Let us know if you are going. We look forward to seeing you there. Now, time for the podcast. You are now listening to The Big Data Beard. This is our podcast where we explore the trends, technology, and talented people making big data a big deal. Welcome back to another episode of The Big Data Beard Podcast. I am Brett Roberts, your host, and with me is Aaron Banks. And we are joined today with Anna Anison and Jeremy Mason from Formulated By. Anna and Jeremy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. Really excited about this. Uh, we've, we've had a couple conversations over the last uh, month or so and uh, glad to finally have you on and interested to hear about what your teams and you are doing specifically in the world of data and analytics. Anna, you are the founder and CEO of Formulated By. Can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and a little bit about what Formulated By is? Definitely. So uh, my background is uh, I'm an entrepreneur uh, with about 15 years of data-driven marketing experience. And um, this is Formulated By is my fourth company, uh, first one of its kind, uh, first one in the service space. Um, I've raised about $10 million in Series A funding, and I've overseen two acquisitions in my career, and I specialize in experiential marketing. Um, and Formulated By is um, really focused on helping you and your brand frame, frame up your place in the community. So we use data and science to formulate one-of-a-kind uh, face-to-face in di- digital experiences for the most innovative B2B enterprise software companies that are um, in the AI and machine learning space. And we also host a conference called the Data Science Salon. I'm also very passionate about advocating for women in tech. And um, I'm a contributor uh, on data science and marketing at Forbes. But with Anna today is Jeremy. And Jeremy is the head of marketing operations for the Data Science Salon and formulated by. So Jeremy, tell us a little bit more about yourself and your role in this organization. Sure thing. Yeah. Well, that's right. I'm, I'm really the events and content and logistics guy, uh, over here, uh, for the data science salon. Um, obviously there's a lot of work that goes into getting the community together and we want to make sure that these, uh, conferences go as seamlessly as possible. And that's really, uh, where I come in. Uh, I actually, uh, have a little bit of a background in data myself. I, I did a, a program in geographic information systems. And that's how I, I got my intro to what big data is and what data science is in general. Um, and then, uh, so it gives me a, a unique perspective on a lot of these conversations that, that are happening in the space. 
Um, I had started with Formulated by doing some events uh, because of, of uh, some of my previous work uh, and then helped launch the Data Science Salon. Um, and, and really, it's just expanded from there. So, uh, you know, I, I'm really pleased to be on board. Yeah. And, and first of all, the name Data Science Salon just sounds amazing, sounds like a, a great time, uh, a place of learning, right? The, I think of the salons from, from Europe. Uh, from 18th century. Tell us a little bit about the history, how this started, uh, and what it really is today. Well, sure. You know, actually, I'm glad that you mentioned uh, the, the salons because that was the inspiration for the name. You know, we wanted to create an event that was not only informative, uh, but also something that's entertaining and allowed people to come together and see each other really as people, not just cogs in their respective data machines or their titles or their companies, uh, but actually make a connection. Um, that's why we have these smaller form events that are hyper-focused and hyper-local. Um, so our, our first event actually was over in LA. It was pretty small, about 100 people, I want to say. Uh, but we, we make them special um, in a couple of different ways. You know, first of all, we're not just focused on all of the, the data and, and, the, and the talks and the presentations. Uh, there's plenty of time for networking that's built in. Uh, we make sure always to have top-notch coffee, for example. It's super important to keep people happy. Um, we always make sure to have um, a really wonderful reception as well. Uh, frequently, we'll bring in live music or other kinds of surprises. Um, our goal is to really make it seem like you are in someone's living room for a full day, uh, but you happen to be talking about the topic that matters to you most. Um, and we've been really successful in that. So you mentioned LA. Uh, I think there are four going on in 2019. Where are they? <laughs> They're all over the map. Uh, all over the map. All in the United States? All in the United States right now. Uh, we'll have uh, Data Science Salon LA and New York. Both of those are in media and entertainment. Uh, and then also we'll do Austin and Miami. Those are going to be in finance and technology. And we're also thinking about a possible expansion in some other verticals. We can talk a little bit more about that in a bit. Yeah, so media, entertainment, finance, technology, uh, those are, are they the targeted verticals or, I mean, I'm, I'm sure everyone who's passionate about data analytics uh, can attend, but that's kind of where the focus is for these. Well, right. I mean, the, the thing that people really want to hear um, is about use cases. And certainly when you learn about more industry-specific use cases, it's, it's better for you, right? So um, our goal really is to bring people together that are working in these industries in data so that they can compare their use cases more uh, in a better format, in a better way, um, and, and really walk away uh, with more solutions. You know, if, if I'm working in media entertainment and I walk into a retail conference, you know, maybe there's some overlap with the workflows that I'm going to find, but certainly not as much as if I'm learning directly from my peers. No, I love that. And I think it fits very nicely with the concept of the salon, right? The gathering where you can share ideas with not just like-minded and like passionate individuals, but people that are doing the same work that you are or similar work and have the same challenges across you know, the same use cases. That's, that's awesome. Well, we, so, we definitely think so. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And, and just real quick. So I am also really, really excited because Big Data Beard uh, is a partner with the Data Science Salon and formulated by this year for the first time. And we are really excited to attend all of the conferences, be a part of the salon experience. Uh, I'm excited for some of this really good coffee, uh, <laughs> as well as just networking and being a part of uh, 
you know, understanding more about some of the use cases in these specific verticals. Yeah. So outside of the verticals, are there any major themes, you know, for the data science salon in 2019? Some of the themes that we're seeing, um, uh, moving into 2019 is, um, you know, data governance, um, also data modeling trends, um, the impact of data quality and machine learning era, um, a lot of data strategy trends, um, you know, just emerging trends in data science and machine learning, a lot of conversation about data security, uh, just because we have so much data out there. Um, you know, how do we keep it secure? Data bias, that's a huge conversation. And that goes back to, you know, our initiative um, that we're we're uh, launching called Elevate. And we could talk about that a little bit later, but that's a big theme that we're seeing is, is data bias. Uh, we're also seeing a theme of um, soft skills, you know, non-technical talks, but more talks of how to talk to people, how to be available for your team, how to collaborate better with your team. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I, I love data analytics, but I might love security just a little bit more. So I love that you guys are using that, you know, some of the major topics that are going on. So although that's great, I was just curious, what sets you guys, you know, aside from some of the other, you know, data analytics or AI conferences that are out there? Well, we've we've already talked about the excellent coffee. Um, but uh, Right, of course. Top, the top-notch <laughs> coffee. Listeners, top trust notch. me, this coffee <laughs> is top-notch. But, but you know, it's it really is uh, a feeling more than anything else. Um, you know, we, we talked about how these are hyper-local events. We talked about how these are hyper-focused events, right? And even within this sort of what seems on the surface to be a, a very small uh, domain of people that this might apply to. Um, you know, as Anna just mentioned, there's such a diversity of topics that, that can fit even under these verticals that there's no shortage of conversations to be had. Um, but I think really the thing that sets us apart the most is that we are in the business of community building. Um, you know, when you go to one of these large conferences um, and, and you take a week out of your life to fly across the country and you're with like 5,000, 10,000 other people, you're you're like one fish in a very, very large ocean uh, with a lot of other fish that, you know, may or may not um, have anything to share directly with you. So uh, isn't it better to not have to have that kind, uh, make that kind of investment, take that kind of time to just be able to go someplace in your backyard and meet people face to face who are doing what you're doing, who can help you along with your career and make contacts with people as people um, that you can pull on later. Um, I'll give you an example of, of some other things that have happened during our conferences that, that really help people meet each other as people. Uh, Molly Pettit, uh, who's been to a few of our salons, closed our, our LA salon with a, a data science love poem that was just full of puns. Um, I, I think we've got That's it great. up on our, yeah, <laughs> I think we've got it up on our YouTube. Uh, yeah, we'll have but, to share that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, she's also, and, and I'm going to throw under a bus here a little bit, um, she's also an incredible swing dancer. So we're, we're, we're going to try and figure out a way to work that in too. But, you know, again, um, we're all in this industry together. We're part of a community. And, and what our goal is at the Data Science Salon is to really activate that community at a very local level uh, to help people grow. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of like the meetups on steroids almost, which I think the the local meetups, whether it's Linux or some type of, you know, big data meetup has always been really valuable to really develop those skill sets. It seems like this is just even even more robust with better coffee one. 
Exactly. We're, we're operating in a space that's between these big form conferences and a meetup. You know, definitely with, with um, a more careful thought to content curation um, than you would generally see at a meetup. Uh, definitely with, with a better uh, level of production, um, but still with that kind of small town feel. Yeah, so no, I, I think this seems to hit the sweet spot very nicely to uh, more than supplement just those larger conferences and provide uh, people that maybe can't even go travel across the country that opportunity as well. So you talked a little bit about con- content curation and a careful view into that. Can you give us any previews on speakers or content for some of the uh, salons this this year? Yeah, so, um, you know, I think some of the, the exciting speakers that we have this year, um, for example, in, in Austin, we have Ann, uh, our headliner is um, Andy Terrell, and he is the president of NumFocus. So, and he, NumFocus is also our partner, and they've been supporting the data science salon since we launched. So we're really excited to have him. Um, you know, we have Gerald Fahar, who's the principal data scientist at, F- at FICO. Shitranji Shanhai, who is the lead data scientist at Aetna, um, Robert Welburn, um, head of data science um, at General Motors, uh, who's been actually going to our conferences as well. He he was at the Dallas one and he really loved it. Um, David Patchy, he's the head of AI at Dell. Um, so those are just some of the folks that we have uh, for Austin. Um, typically, we don't announce speakers um Prior to the conference, we usually release the names about three months ahead. Um, but we are really excited. We, um, we're partnered with Viacom for our New York and LA events. So we're really excited to announce some of those speakers and we have some really, really big people on board for, for those, uh, events. Really excited. So when is the next salon? The next salon is in Austin on February 21st and 22nd. All right. Well, I, I'm going to be there. Uh, and for the listeners out there, uh, check our show notes for a promo code to get a discount so you can attend as well. Uh, I'm excited about it. I want to go back to, and, and, and Jeremy, we talked a little bit in the beginning of, of the conversation about the focus of women in the data science field. And that's that being one of the focuses for the data science salon. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? happy to do it. You know, um, we are a female-led company, so it's natural that we look at um, things through uh, that lens. And, you know, uh, one of the things about communities, it's comprised of, you know, a whole bunch of different segments, and it's not just men. (laughs) So, um, you know, one thing that, that was really near and dear to us as we were trying to go around the country building community was to make sure that we had better representation of of all people um, when we're when we're building the communities, and so um, we're happy to say that we've reached a point now where women actually comprise forty to fifty percent of the speakers and attendees at all of our conferences. And Woo-hoo. I have to say that again, forty to fifty percent. Yeah, absolutely, it's something to celebrate. Um, and that's very unusual. If, if you go to these other conferences, it's not really something that you see. Um, it's not, unfortunately, it's not representative of the split in, in the tech industry in general. Uh, but we're really trying to change that by putting women forward. And, and one of the ways that we're doing that, other than actively uh, recruiting speakers and, and putting them forward in, in that way, is we also have an initiative called the Data Science Salon Elevate. 
which seeks to elevate the voices of women in data science at all levels, um, from practitioners all the way up through the C-level. Um, and as part of that, um, we've invited women to do interviews on camera, sharing their experience uh, and giving advice to other women, touching on issues such as mentorship, imposter syndrome, uh, growth, building alliances, and so on. Um, we have a series of guest blog posts by some of these featured women as well, uh, and uh, we'll be rolling out podcasts and some other initiatives. But really, it's, it's to elevate these voices and get them out into the community and, and help people understand that, you know, there are already a lot of people uh, working and growing and, and really making a name for themselves here. And, and we're just really trying to give them a microphone to help them do that even better. Yeah, and I obviously I think that's great, right? As a woman who's, you know, I went to college for electrical engineering, and I'll never forget my. Well, there was only two women in the entire engineering school, and I ended up transferring out of the school. I remember how she was so sad that she was going to be the only woman in there. So I think that it's amazing. I think it's difficult for women to kind of see that this is an opportunity for them. I see it changing, obviously, but I love that you guys are really trying to elevate that and make some. Um, really changes with regard to that. So, but I was curious, like, why do you think that more women are not involved in the data science field? Well, I'll speak to that. Um, I think I could really relate to that as well, just being in tech as a woman and from doing, um, we've done quite a few roundtables with women um, um, in data about this topic. And what we've heard is it's, you know, honestly, it's just like what you said, there's just no women in the space. And it's not very attractive for you to go in a space where you can't have friends or co-workers to go out to lunch with, you know, it's just not very attractive. Um, you know, and I also think colleges are probably not doing as good of a job of uh, to really promote the field either. So I think, you know, our initiative, we're really, really hoping to um, not only put the voices of women forward, but also attract more women into the field because it is the hottest field right now and women deserve to be a part of it. Yeah. And I, I have to like interject and kind of let all the listeners know that one of the main reasons why I ended up in engineering was because of my dad. And he was basically like telling me that that's what I was going to do. So, you know, for all those people that are listening to this and who have children, especially daughters, and you know that this is a really hot field to like go into, it's really also part of your goal, I would say, to really try to help and push your daughter into these arenas and just saying, listen, this is this is your future and this will really help you be successful and help drive your future. And I think that's important um, to really do that. So I just, you know, a little shout out to my dad for really pushing me to do it. But I think parents don't really, you know, I understand everyone wants to have their their kids do what makes them happiest, but um, sometimes it always isn't it for the best. Um, and just kind of think a little bit differently of saying, you know, or meeting other women. I think that's, you know, bringing your daughters to the conference and letting them meet other women and see them being successful and be them speakers and see them in a different realm, I think is pretty important. So um, one of the things that I also love hearing from some of my coworkers is that there's, you know, benefit of having women in these fields and in these meetings and kind of seen in as opposed to like the, the typical meetings that we see in technology. So what do you think is the benefit of having women in a data science field? Well, the big benefit is that women see things in a different way and they bring a different perspective to all the data, the way they look at data, the way they analyze the data. So if 
you don't have women in your organization practicing data science, you're probably missing out on some key findings. Let me go a little further into that. Um, you know, uh, one of the uh, women that's actually part of uh, DSS Elevate, Amarita Nat, uh, wrote a blog post on our Medium blog about this exact topic. And uh, she used an example um, from when Target, uh, their team of data scientists, uh, put together an algorithm that, you know, based on uh, past purchases, could very accurately predict whether or not uh, someone might be pregnant and then serve right. them ads based on this. Do you remember hearing about this? Oh, yeah. It used to be part of my uh, conversations with customers, remind them of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, I spoke about this as well as, you know, that's uh, that's a really great use case. Yeah, absolutely. So so just in, for, for the listeners, in, in case they don't know the story, um, you know, there there was a massive blowback against this because obviously there are women in, in many different situations uh, that may not want other people to know uh, what their pregnancy status is. Um, and it ended up being a, a massive public relations nightmare for Target. And um, in, in the blog post, Amrita said that she couldn't help but wonder if, if potentially there were more female points of view on that data science team or the executive team, if that was a decision uh, that would have been made in the same way. And, and certainly that kind of diversity of viewpoints helps when we're looking at data. You know, at the end of the day, data scientists do need to make judgments about data and our personal biases do find their way in. So it is important to have a diversity of, uh, of viewpoints to try and, and mitigate that risk. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously bias is huge and we hear about it all the time. And I know we hopefully we can talk about it a little bit. Um, and I also mentioned a little bit, obviously, how I think our listeners can help make a difference, especially, you know, pushing their own uh, family members or kids or anything along those lines. How do you think that, uh, do you have any advice for our listeners of how they can help push their daughters or their nieces um, into the data science field? Yeah, well, I, I think that really uh, the conversation could be about uh, what, how should women approach starting out, right? And there's a lot of, in the conversations that we've had with the women that are part of DSS Elevate, um, there's a lot of talk about mentorship, about seeking out female mentors and the power of female mentors to really help you along the way. Um, and, and that's something that uh, takes a little bit of courage to do. You know, let's face it, um, the data science field uh, is largely a community of introverts. So it may not be in everyone's, uh, you know, first instinct to, to go and, and seek out these opportunities. Uh, but it really is important, especially uh, if you feel like you're not really being represented in the field in which you've chosen. Um, so that's, that's one thing that's come up time and time again. Yeah, and then the I, other thing obviously would be to apply to programs like Data Science Salon Elevate. If you are on the opposite side of the spectrum, if, if you have been become established in your field, you should really make a voice of yourself for yourself and to, and to put yourself forward so that other women can find you. And, you know, uh, you can create a community around that and you can help empower women and give them a little bit of your knowledge and, and some of your viewpoints and how they can best succeed in, in what can be a very challenging field to break into. Yeah. And I would definitely say, like, don't, you know, don't forget to start like at a young age. You know, I tried to go into the high schools. Like I said, my dad pushed me into it and and to go into the high schools and show talk to them about my career path and what I've done and, and how I've been able to be so successful. So 
I think, you know, once I was even in the high schools, they were like, well, you should actually go down to the grade schools and really start getting them at a very young age and getting them comfortable with almost being uncomfortable, right? And realizing that's a little bit different mentality, but really start, you know, at that age, you can't be too young to really show women or, you know, the the power of other women and the success that they can have and about the technology. So, Absolutely. Well, that's that's the bigger story, right? Is yeah. is really you know having a role model to look up to. You know, the the truth of the matter is, is, a lot of the women that we've talked to in DSS Elevate didn't start out in data science. They started out in some other industry, started working with data, and then through necessity, sort of transitioned into being a data scientist. And some of them are actually quite reticent to even call themselves data scientists still. So you know, um, but but being able to uh, be coming into the field and seeing people that are working with data that have these positions that have this knowledge um, and that are able to help share uh, how they got there is certainly beneficial. Yeah, that's great. So why don't, uh, let's just pivot a little bit uh, from here. And I was just curious, you know, uh, as much as I love to talk about like bias, I always like think a lot of it is obviously focused from an uh, artificial intelligence kind of perspective. I was just curious, like how far along do you think we are um, in the world of, of AI? I'll, I'll take this one. And, um, you know, I actually don't think that we're really far along at all. We're very in the beginning of stages of AI. Um, a lot of AI that's out there is not true AI. It's a lot of call centers in India and those kind of countries who, you know, make AI happen with human hands. Um, so I think we're quite a bit far away. We're probably, I would say, maybe at least 10 years uh, from uh, actual AI that's going to change our life significantly. However, AI has, a, is, it is improving a lot of uh, processes. It is making a lot of things easier. There's a lot of tools there that are using simple AI. However, as far as robots taking over the world, um, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, uh, we used to ask our, our listeners, what year do you think Skynet will go online? And some people will say 2020, 2021. And then the others will be like, never, it's not going to happen <laughs> in our lifetime. Not in our uh, life. I, I don't, I mean, I'm with them probably. I would say. And, and I really like how you said that they're making AI happen, but with their hands. I almost think of it as like artificial, artificial intelligence, where there's a very large human aspect or manual aspect still going on to making these things work, uh, or at least get some type of desired result. So that's funny. Um, we interviewed uh, Doug Merritt, the CEO of Splunk, uh, a couple months ago, and he said, if you think of the, the I guess, the life of AI of being a baseball game, we're not even we're, we're not in the first inning. We're not even in the ballpark yet. It's so early on, and I think you're absolutely correct that uh, we're just now starting to scratch the surface where we're seeing uh, some good ROI from artificial intelligence, but it's still light years away from actually uh, being what we all conceptualize as AI being. Yep. But that being said. Data scientists are becoming more and more. They're doing more and more with uh, to to make AI happen. What do you think the biggest challenge is today for for these data scientists that are out there? Yeah, well, I you know I think what we've heard the feedback that we've heard from data scientists themselves is not to call it AI but call it machine learning um, because AI, as you said, it's it's kind of just in the beginning stages. So we actually had a really great conversation about this um, at a forum that we did in San Diego called uh, Data Science Go X. Um, and we had about 20 senior level executives talking about this, this topic. Um, so some of the biggest challenges for data scientists, I think, 
are, um, you know, basically just, um, there's a lot of data out there. So data cleaning, just simple things like that. That's, that's a big challenge still. There's not a lot of tools out there really, um, solving that metadata is still, um, you know, big, uh, undertaking for data scientists, uh, scalability and running, you know, um, uh, running their data on powerful hardware. Uh, I know AWS just re- released a new product that's making that easier, but that's still a big problem. Um, again, um, a lot of data scientists are still siloed. They're not, um, you know, they're working on projects, uh, on separate laptops. So things are lost if people leave. Um, you know, again, um, Teams are growing so quickly um, that, you know, data scientists are getting promoted without um, a lot of soft skills. Um, And um, the hiring is a big problem because there's just not enough data scientists out there for the demand that's out there right now. Um, So I think there's definitely a lot of challenges uh, for data scientists and analysts and everybody in this field. And again, um, we have to kind of think about data scientists as a new title. It's only been around for you know, I think the last maybe not even 10 years. So, but there's a lot of other people in the field now that are facing similar problems and they are switching to that title. Um, but I think, you know, as we move forward, there's going to be, I know that there's some folks working on some great tools to solve that. And um, there's a lot more content and um, things being created to really address the soft skills issue, because that is a big problem of how to be, you know, more available for your team, how to build a team, how to really look at this as, you know, relating back to your business problem, because really all this science and everything, it really has to go back to your business and uh, the top, you know, the revenue that you're going to make from that analysis or models that you're building and how is that going to impact your bottom line for your CEO and your senior level management? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think uh, the soft skills is extremely important. Uh, I, th- I think the data scientist role fit the technical need very nicely uh, as it you know spun up. Uh, Queens College in Canada actually is doing a data scientist slash business uh, degree program to do just that, to give you some of the, the leadership, the team building, and the business acumen roles to supplement the more technical roles. Uh, the other thing that, that was interesting that I, I heard you say was data wrangling, data collection, data cleansing. Uh, we've heard numbers like 70%, 80% of data scientists' time are being spent not actually creating models or training models or refining them. It's actually finding the right data sources and actually then, you know, getting the data in some type of structure, especially if it's a machine learning project, doing that feature engineering to be able to start to train uh, the machine. So it's a uh, it's great to hear you say that as well. I think personally, that's where I see the biggest challenge for data scientists are is that their their time is spent not doing the work that they're trained to do. Exactly. And we've heard, I mean, that's, I cannot agree more with you on that because that's what we hear every time at, at the data science salon. And that's the conversation that, that continues to happen. And there's and that's, definitely, yeah. yeah. And that's why the data science salon is, is so great because now you can, you know, meet with like-minded individuals in your verticals to talk about data sources. You know, maybe for a use case, you collect data source X, Y, and Z, but someone else collects A, B, and C. Now you can kind of have that conversation in a salon-like environment to figure out maybe there's a combination that will give us an even more accurate model. Uh, so really 
love the premise of it. Love the idea of data science salon. I can't wait to go uh, this year. Again, ex- the Big Data Beer team is excited about being a partner uh, with the Data Science Salon. So we have Austin in February. We have Los Angeles in New York. And then our last one is in Miami, correct? Yep, that's correct. And we're also trying to expand to Seattle. And, and expand uh, to Seattle. Stay, yeah, stay tuned for that one. Uh, the the you heard it here first, folks, and the home of the best coffee, right? Seattle. So That's uh, right. if you're in one of those cities or near one of those cities or are able to get to one of those cities, make sure you check this out. I think this is a, a great uh, event to learn a lot and to enhance your skill set and build a great network and and have some fun as well. Uh, and uh, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining the Big Data Beard Podcast. We're going to shift gears actually right now and have a little bit more of a personal question in what we call the rapid fire. We've learned a lot from our guests about big data, but now it's time to get a bit personal. In a segment we like to call Rapid Fire. What is the latest book you've read that you would recommend to our listeners? I just finished Michelle's Obama book, uh, Becoming, and it was great. So I would definitely recommend it. Mine is Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. Um, in another life, I was a high school history teacher, and the book takes uh, the history of humankind from prehistory to the current day. And it, it gives a lot more perspective about history and, and challenges what we think to be true. Uh, so I would definitely recommend that. Yeah, both books sound perfect for uh, some winter reading there. If you have a song to play when you walk on stage, what would it be? What's your it's what's Britney your, bitch? <laughs> Britney bitch. What's your ramp song? Right, walk on stage, or for me, walking down the the ramp to the wrestling match. Britney bitch, I love it. Jeremy? Yeah, my, mine would be "Got to Be Real" by Cheryl Lynn. Uh, I think authenticity is key, and so I just love it. Plus, it's a nice disco classic. That's great. What piece of technology is making your life worse? My AirPods dying really quickly through my long flights. They never last through the whole flight. See, I, I have not cut the cord yet. I am I, I buy them every every month or two, but I still have the uh, the wired uh, Apple headphones. And uh, I haven't, you just reaffirmed me not going to AirPods yet. So thank you. Mine is uh, faxing, actually. I keep getting requests to fax things in. And I'm, I'm wondering who still uses a fax machine. Yeah, that makes so no sense. I think it, I think <laughs> yeah. it finally needs to die. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The the noise, like every time I hear that fax noise, it just, you know, the hair on my back stands up. Um, what is your biggest personal money pit right now? Well, I've been traveling for a little bit over a month now, so that's kind of been the money pit of the moment. Yeah, because right now you, you are in Australia, so um, I'm sure that uh, it, it's fairly expensive over there. And Jeremy, you said the same for you as well? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the same for me. Um, I, I did some Christmas travel and just with the holidays and everything, I mean, there's no money pit like right around that time of year. Absolutely. Absolutely. What show are you binging on right now? I just wrapped up the house of cards the last season and, uh, yeah, definitely was a, was a good wrap up, uh, to that show. I watched The Haunting at Hill House. I'm not a horror fan, uh, but uh, I was forced into watching it. And it was scary, but amazing on Netflix. There you go. I actually just finished watching the the new Sabrina on Netflix, which I thought was amazing out of this world. 
I heard that, so might have to check that out. Highly recommend it for the twenty-hour、uh, flight back to the states. And lastly, where is the next interesting place you are going? Well, I just traveled to Bali,、uh, so I'm and Australia, so I'm probably just going to stay put because this was, you know, quite a around the world of travel. So I'm actually excited to not going anywhere for a little bit. I I love nature. I love ruins、uh, and history and everything. So、uh, I'm looking to go to Machu Picchu this year. Really hoping. Oh, that'd be awesome. I've been. Yeah. It's on my my short list as well. Nice. Awesome. Well, Anna, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining. We're extremely excited about the Data Science Salon and just seeing all the great things that the two of you and your organization is going to do to further promote and provide the、uh, environment for. Like-minded individuals to come together and and learn more. So I'm excited to to see you out in Austin in February. And again, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. It was so much fun. Thanks for listening to the Big Data Beard podcast. The music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. Check him out on iTunes or Spotify. It would also be pretty cool if you reviewed us in your favorite podcast app. It really does help. Thanks for listening. <laughs>